Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Got menopause? We've got you. Hi, Jackie here, founder of ExoJackie. Feel supported throughout your menopause journey and beyond with our organic protein powders and symptom relief boosts. Formulated to keep bones and muscles strong, ExoJackie products help reduce bloating, hot flashes, and weight gain. Enjoy 20% off with promo code EXOPODCAST. Shop now at exojacqui.com. Made for women by women. Welcome. We're on from one to four. So in case you weren't aware of that uh, and you were missing some of the show because you're not sure what time it airs, check out the podcast. It's just posted up right after four o'clock. It's available at KFIAM640.com. Also the iHeartRadio app. And in about 15 minutes, John will repeat the keyword after the big voice guy makes the announcement. John's very good about repeating the keyword. Yes. And you'll have a chance at $1,000, the KFI cash refill contest. Always practicing. We are now, this is a big deal. Uh, we are going to be able to vote in November of 2024 to block any new tax that comes out of the California legislature. It would require this proposition that uh, the public approve of any taxes that the legislature. That? That's, uh, the Taxpayer Protection and Government Accountability Act. We've talked about this before, but the news is that it did qualify. For next year's ballot, signatures were deemed enough that were okay to put on the ballot. 1.4 million signatures were collected. $16 million was spent to get it on the ballot. Uh, This would even work retroactively against some taxes that were passed as far back as uh, 2022 into 2024. So let's get uh, Carl DeMaio on. Uh, He's uh, with Kogo Radio down in San Diego. In Reform, California, right. Carl, how are you? Hey, guys. It's a good day. We're celebrating the hard work of our volunteers who got all these signatures, and we're very pleased that we're going to be able to at least get a vote on this important initiative. And and, and this is perhaps the most significant piece of taxpayer reform uh, legislation in California since uh, 1978 with Prop 13. That's how big of a deal this thing is. Uh, yeah, one point four million is a lot of signatures. I mean that that's a that was a big lift. And I remember you turned them in like last summer, didn't you? We did. You know, we wanted to see if we could get this initiative on the ballot for November of 2022. But I always say, measure twice, cut once. 
uh, it was really looking like we were not going to be able to qualify if we rushed it. So we made the decision to take our time to do it right. And so we didn't get it on for November of 2022, but we were able to get it on for November 2024. What they did was we submitted our signatures in August, 1.4 million. And then they, they asked a judge if they could delay verification of the signatures because obviously we have a November election um, to, to carry out. We were okay with that, you know, because look, you know, take your time, do it right. So we got notification on February 1st last week that we got the signatures. And now we're moving into the passage campaign. And this is going to be hard because you know darn well that the state politicians – and local politicians want to kill this thing. And uh, last um, week, the California Association of Cities held a, uh, a forum where they were all saying that this is the worst thing, that it's the work of <laughs> Satan, um, and that they need to all work together to, to defeat it because, you know, your local government politicians are always trying to put things on the ballot. Okay, that so this, re taxes. this would require two-thirds approval from the public for tax measures that come from the state legislature and who else? What other tax proposals? And, and local government. That's why the local government folks are so opposed to it. But more importantly, in addition to, to having a two-thirds vote requirement, it would require that the ballot titles for any tax measure, any measure that includes a tax increase, that the words tax increase have, <laughs> have to appear on the ballot title. The title so we right. literally are... Are, are, are balancing the scales and uh, leveling the playing field here by giving us a fighting chance. Uh, the other thing that I'm really looking forward to is the fact that we tighten up the definition of what a fee is versus what a tax is. And this is super important because of what everyone's talking about this week, the high gas and electricity rates in California. Um, we are do doing a separate study of the, uh, PG&E, uh, SoCal, SoCal gas and electric rate cases, SDG&E rate cases. And what we have found is that about 28% of your bill is from hidden state taxes. And these are, quote, fees that they're charging on your utility rate for various programs like giving away free power to your neighbor, paying for your neighbor to get brand new windows because it's good for energy efficiency and climate change, giving disadvantaged communities some financial assistance. So these are all fees that as we're examining them in these utility uh, cases, these rate cases, they would be forced um, to take those to the ballot and get a two-thirds vote on, and you know they won't get that. Um, so this is something, this initiative, if we pass it, It'll have a profound impact on the cost of living in California in a good way. How wow, do you, uh, the, 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 the tax deep state is really going to fight you guys hard on this one, Carl, with, with money and commercials. This would be a big game what, changer. Okay, what what do you think their, their uh, big argument is oh, going to be? Can I, can What's I add the one, one thing that, real quick? Yeah. Let me add, add one thing real quick for the L.A. listeners. This would overturn the UTLA um, tax that they just uh, assessed, you know, the – the, the property tax that they say is going to go to you know fund homelessness, that tax increase will automatically be rescinded when this passes. I mean, because we basically overturn any tax imposed after November, uh, January 1st, 2022. And so that's going to provide immediate tax savings 
uh, not just in L.A., but across the state. There's uh, we're looking at about 220 tax increases that would automatically be rescinded. Now, yeah, how did you do that? How did you get retroactive like that to go back to 2022? Because the way we wrote the initiative is that um, if uh, a tax was adopted that did not comply with this initiative, uh, any time after January 1st, 22, which is when we were collecting signatures. So we put the the politicians on notice that, hey, you better if you're going to raise taxes this cycle, you better comply with this because this could pass. Um, We we basically say that these tax increases would be subject to this new uh, constitutional amendment. And that is all legal because courts have have upheld those provisions in the past. All right. You mentioned that the whole California political world, the state and local governments are going to fight hard against this. What do you think is going to be their argument? The one that you fear that they could manipulate people with? So they're going to say that um, this will end up defunding uh, road repairs and police and fire, fire, you know, all the things that the the liberal politicians have already raided money from, they're going to claim that they're, that this will remove uh, the money that they need uh, for all these essential services. And and these people are liars, cheats, and thieves. They constantly (laughs) steal our money. They divert the money. So I'm willing to have that fight because put up or shut up time. But, but the bigger thing is in that fight, we're going to need grassroots support. So I'm, I'm begging people to join this fight. We need everyone involved. We have a website, StopCaliforniaTaxHikes.com. StopCaliforniaTaxHikes.com. Sign the petition that's up there that would indicate that you're pledging to vote for the initiative. Become a volunteer. Contribute at StopCaliforniaTaxHikes.com. All right, Carl. We're there for you. Yeah, we'll be having you back on the next year and a half. It's going to be a big fight. It will be. All right. California. That is Carl DeMaio with the Reform California and Cogo Radio. And again, they have qualified for next year's ballot. A big one. I I think he's right. This goes back to like Prop 13 as far mm-hmm. as uh, yeah. it's going to be earth shattering when it comes to tax measures. Uh, it is uh, known as the California, the Taxpayer Protection and Government Accountability Act. And basically, you, the voters, can... Uh, Nix, a tax passed by the legislature. All new taxes passed by the California state legislature must be approved by the voters. Uh, And, of course, as we talked about with the local taxes, it will require a two-thirds voter approval for all new local special tax increases. And he's right about the hidden fees or or stuff like that. They do put that on your your utility bills often as a line for something they just decided is... uh, something that they need to collect extra money for but there's they just do it at will there's there's no vote on it and you'll have a say in that too so this could be ugly this could be incredible if it passes all right we got more coming up uh including the keyword that's next your chance at a thousand dollars you stand by for the word john and ken kfi am 640 live everywhere in the iheart radio app we had talked about a column in the california globe it's californiaglobe.com a few weeks ago, that was uh, remarking on the enormous jump in spending, the state of California, the proposed budget for this year. And it went back to like Jerry Brown's first year, his second term, and showed an enormous increase over the years in spending. And their follow-up story is pretty good. There's a few things worth pointing out. It's uh, by Edward Ring, who's been on our show, a contributing editor and senior fellow at the California Policy Center. 
which he co-founded back in 2013 and served as the first president of the uh, organization. Uh, they, they focus on public policies. And he took a look at the California spending. And as he puts it, per capita spending has doubled. Where is it going? According to the uh, reports downloaded from the California Legislative Analyst Office, and after adjusting for inflation and for population growth, the state's general fund budget is 84% compared to just 10 years ago. Put another way, the state's per capita general fund spending in the current fiscal year is just under $6,000 per California resident 10 years ago. And in 2022 dollars, it was only $3,000 per resident. That's the enormous leap in spending that has taken place in Sacramento. And you're sitting there and wondering, well, where's the money going? Yeah, how If they're it... spending twice as much per person in the state, where'd it go? I, he said, digging into this, uh, what drove this tremendous increase doesn't reveal much because the increase is across the board. But there were certain things he found. And one of them, oh, dear God, this brings us back, the state prison system. The state prison system increased spending by $3.4 billion over the last 10 years. That's a 29% increase. At the same time, the inmate population has dropped from 168,000 to 96,000 in 2022. How does this figure? They're now spending $159,000 per prisoner per year. All right. If you remember these liars when they passed Prop 47... Oh, that's right. They said it was going to get the money for right. And and, and when they passed save a, the money, yeah. when they passed AB one hundred nine to dump the prisoners out of state prisons, and then they were going to stop prosecuting drug felonies, and eventually they stopped prosecuting a lot of misdemeanors. I always heard a lot of people going, "Well, we're spending too much money on the prisons anyway. Maybe it's a good thing." In fact, they said they were going to take the money that they would save on the prisons and, and use re- it for treatment programs and rehab programs. That's I remember right. that. Oh, yeah. And it turned out. 2014 Prop 47, by the way. if you round off the numbers, (coughs) we went from 170,000 prisoners to 100,000. That is a huge percentage drop there. No budget to be going up during that time. And the spending went up 30%. They're (laughs) liars and they're thieves. How much are they paying the guards? Where's the money going then? If, If you don't have as many prisoners, you shouldn't need as many guards. I, I don't know, but but they they cut the prisoner population by forty percent and increased the spending by about thirty percent, and and they made all these promises. And you know, psychologically, that worked on some people because people hate the idea that we spend so much money on on prisoners because you know a lot of people just want them breaking rocks, right, and living in some uh, damp, ugly cavern, but. They're getting $159,000 of spending per prisoner. Now, the prison guards union really hoists us. I mean, that that organization. It God, does. God. Remember the judges were mandating all sorts of, they had to hire psychiatrists. They had to do all these things to wasn't, improve health care for Wasn't inmates. there going to be aromatherapy and Zen gardens? And That's all. what one judge thought they should do, right? Set up some sort of spa-like culture where the I, inmates could I, I can't imagine steam room because the re- they dumped all those prisoners out and it caused all kinds of mayhem in the streets and all these homeless people, 
all the extra violence and killings and all the thefts that go on and the burglaries and the shoplifting, right? That all comes from the prisoners being dumped here. Because anybody who studies this will tell you a small number of people commit a huge number of crimes. Well, they let that small number of people, 40% of them, out of the prisons. So, of course, what are you going to get? And they won't put them back. No matter what these people do, they won't put them back. Or they won't put them back for very long. And then, well, we're saving money. No, you're not. Predictably, oh. another big spending category was social services. Oh, my they God. nearly doubled their spending. All calculations are adjusted for inflation. So what's costing another $8.1 billion a year? Some of it is uh, food stamps. Uh, they, of course, also... Illegal increased- alien health care. Yeah, illegal alien health care. Uh, they also expanded benefits to undocumented immigrants and things like food stamps and other categories. And then in education. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. He writes a good part about education. Oh, do, do you know, in 2012, we had a little over 6 million students in the K-12 through public schools, and we were spending $8,700 a student. Now we have fewer students. <laughs> Went from Just six like fewer prisoners. Right? Went from went from six and a quarter million to about five point eight million, and now we're spending thirteen thousand dollars a student. Well, how'd that happen? And are we getting results? No, of course not. No, we didn't even have school for a year and a half. The pers- the, the amount of money spent on K through twelve education went up thirty nine percent, even though the enrollment went down. As he puts it, the thirteen thousand per pupil is just what the general fund gives for K through twelve. When you when you factor all those sources, it's over twenty thousand dollars per pupil. Per student spending went up by ninety seven percent in the last ten years at community college. Seventy three percent in the Cal State system. Thirty eight percent in the UC system. Fifty three percent in the K through twelve public schools. And the community colleges and the public schools are going down in enrollment. But on a per-pupil basis, everything went way up. Way up. Yeah. And and that's, a lot of that is, well, most of that in the K-12 through is, is, is giveaways to the teachers' unions. Who basically went on strike for a year and a half during right. uh, the COVID lockdown. They refused to work and they got even more money for it. So that's why it's important, and we just talked to Carl DeMaio earlier this hour, that we get that uh, yes vote on that measure for the ballot next year where we can nix their tax increases because if this year continues to be uh, pretty mediocre as far as revenues are concerned, you bet next year they'll be talking some kind of tax increase to make up for all this horrific spending. This Jerry Brown-Gavin Newsom era will be looked back as one of the most disastrous in California history. Uh, Johnny Ken Show, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Coming up uh, in the next segment, a friend of mine, and my wife's uh, his name is Michelle Shane and Michelle and his wife Ellen suffered a terrible tragedy uh some years ago his daughter Emily was killed on Pacific Coast Highway by an insane driver and he ran Emily over who is standing off way off to the side waiting for a ride and this guy just zigzagged all over Pacific Coast Highway and ran his car into into Emily and killed her. Uh, and Michelle has put together a documentary called 21 Miles in Malibu. It's fascinating. I watched it a few nights ago. 
And you know, most of us have driven down PCH in Malibu. And it's gorgeous scenery. But it really is one of those dangerous places to be uh, when, it, when, it, when it comes to driving. I mean, all the people crossing the road, all the people speeding, um, all the people parking alongside the cyclists. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating documentary on how dangerous and how beautiful it is. And we're going to talk to Michelle about it because it's uh, making its world premiere in the Santa Barbara International Film Festival very shortly. And Michelle will explain it all coming up uh, next segment. Now, uh, yes. Well, the Huntington Park Police released the surveillance video. This is the story of the double amputee who was shot to death by Huntington Park Police. Not too long ago, there have been a whole bunch of uh, protests going on. They don't have body cams in the Huntington Park Police Department. So they've been using video from like street lamps and other places where this happened. They also released the 911 call from the stabbing victim that led to the fatal encounter. So that's the thing you have to understand right off the bat here. They got a 911 call. Actually, the guy called 911 himself after he got stabbed, reporting he got stabbed. So the cops knew that they were going to go into a very dangerous situation. Now, people are saying, well, they get there and they see it's a double amputee. I mean, really? But how much harm could he do? Uh, well, he had jumped off his wheelchair and stabbed the first victim in the back. He did. Apparently, he, he it says here he was sitting in his wheelchair as a pedestrian approaches from the crosswalk. And he appears to lunge out of his wheelchair with a knife and stab the guy in the chest. Yeah, I, I, I saw the street lamp video. The pedestrian staggers off camera. And this guy waits at the corner for a few seconds before crossing the street. We're talking about Anthony Lowe. This is the 36-year-old man who was the double amputee that was carrying the knife. And it seems like he just did this randomly. Yeah. Well, if you're jumping out of a wheelchair on your stumps, that's some crazy violent impulse out of the blue. He was having no interaction with the guy he stabbed. The guy he stabbed is identified as Ramiro who called 911 and actually said, I just got stabbed in the heart right now. And he said, well, describe the attacker. He has no feet. Yeah. And his voice cuts off and a bystander picks up the phone telling the dispatcher he didn't see the stabbing or an attacker, but then sirens come. And it's a matter of minutes oh, that they're on the scene. He, he's, he stabs him in the back and it goes all the way through to his lung. Yeah. And collapses his lung. He's expected to survive, but that uh, that's a serious situation. So the cops get there, and they know they're dealing with somebody that just stabbed somebody. That's pretty serious stuff. And uh, he rolls his wheelchair onto the sidewalk on Slauson, and uh, he starts heading west, and two cops approach him. He moves away. One officer grabs the back of the wheelchair, throws it to the side, uh, low falls to the ground, and uh, it's unclear what happens next as he writes himself what remains of his legs, hobbling away after a few seconds. But apparently they did try to tase him. Right, but the second video from the street lamp, because I watched this, he ha he has there's two cops standing in the street near the curb. He is standing on the sidewalk with his back near a fence. He lifts the knife up in the air while looking at them, and that's when they shot him. So he was about the width of a sidewalk away from these two cops. They thought he was going to throw it at them. Well, yeah, the snapshot looks like, because the video that they put online got cut off. 
right, right as the cops were going to shoot. But the still shot, you can see him with the knife over his head, and it doesn't take, considering he just jumped out of the wheelchair and stabbed the stranger in the back, you can see why the cop shot him. To me, that's a justified killing here. Yeah. Because if he, he, cause it's a big knife, it's a sharp knife, and he flings it just a few feet, he could easily nail the cop. So I don't. Trying to give him the taser shocks, but it was not effective. I think these, uh, I don't know if these protesters have seen the video or they just did the stupid knee jerk routine against the police. But if, if, if you actually see it, you'd be, I, I think any reasonable person would be with the police on this. I, I think all bets are off when you stab somebody. The police response right. is going to be strong. It's going to be swift. It's not going to be understanding. I don't think you send a mental health care worker there because they'll get stabbed too. Yeah. And force, he, you need force to show up when force is used, when, when violence is used. And he could move on his stumps. He could move. He, well, we he saw jumped. the video. He yeah. was kind of hobbling away there. Right. But I'm saying he could move towards the cops and get a, a, a couple extra feet going and then fling the knife and have a better shot at hitting them. All right. And if you're a cop, you, you, you're, you're going you're gonna to fire. I would have fired. Yeah. So the family has a guy by the name of Cliff Smith. The Coalition for Community Control over the Police. That's yeah. a nice name. Yeah. Uh, an anarchist group, most likely. Well, again, they don't believe the police should be used for anything. Right. So the police is supposed to take a knife in the heart or in the lung like that poor victim did. And th- 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 by the way, this guy, really bad guy. He got that guy from behind, unprovoked, blindsided. Yeah. What what kind of a drug is he on, or what kind of insanity is he suffering from? And my understanding too is uh, this man came from Texas, where he may have lost his legs in another encounter with police. That's yeah. what a family member said the other yeah. day. I read that quote. So of course he comes to California. We get all the human debris in the world now. Allegedly came here so family members could help take care of him, but where are they when he's out there stabbing people? Uh, yeah. Like who's now knife? they're gonna file a claim. Of course they're gonna fire a claim. Now it's lottery ticket time, right? And then we have Gascon who could charge these police officers. It's gonna be up to Gascon's oh. DA's office and uh, they salivate waiting for stories like yeah, this. Yeah, well, no way. No way on this. Uh well, absolutely not. If it comes to Gascon, I think there's gonna be a way that they'll be Yeah, well, this is gonna to have to be bitterly fought. He likes to have that on his resume. This is wrong. I I, I dare him after looking at this video to say the cops are wrong. I, then, right. then you have to be a real police hater. And he he may well be. But you've got to really feel it in your bone marrow if you think the cop isn't supposed to shoot there. All right, hear about a documentary called Twenty One Miles in Malibu. We're going to talk next to the producer, John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. The voice line is returning Friday. So leave a message uh, using the iHeartRadio app, the microphone icon, or call the toll. Yeah, toll free number is 877-MOIST-86, 877-MOIST-86. All right, uh, we're going to spend a few minutes now with a friend of mine, Michelle Shane. Uh, Michelle and his wife, uh, Ellen have uh, run the Emily Shane Foundation for a number of years. Uh, Michelle uh, is, in, is in the movie business. He's been the executive producer of some big films like Catch Me If You Can, if you remember that Leonardo DiCaprio film, I, Robot, and others. And uh, we're going to get him on the air in just a second. But just to briefly run through uh, the story here, um, Michelle and 
Ellen lost their daughter, Emily. Terrible story. People in Malibu, I'm sure, remember it. Uh, she was waiting for a ride from her dad, and she was standing way off on the side of the road at PCH near an intersection when um, this crazy guy who uh, was zigzagging all over PCH, he had just had some blowout with his girlfriend, and he was terrifying everyone on PCH. There were numerous 911 calls with people saying, this guy's going to kill somebody, and unfortunately, he, he, he aimed his car at Emily. Um, and after going through all, you know, the grieving process, Michelle decided to do a movie about the PCH in Malibu called 21 miles in Malibu, uh, about how not only beautiful it is to go down that road, but how dangerous it's been for decades and how almost nothing is done about it. 21 miles in Malibu is going to premiere at the 2023 Santa Barbara international film festival. Let's get Michelle Shane on Michelle. How are you? Great. Good to speak with you. Uh, well, you were on some years ago when we went through the story about what happened to your daughter, and anybody can look that up uh, online if they want. What I want to spend more time on now is is this uh, documentary, which talks a lot about what happened with your daughter and really gives a historical perspective that I didn't know. I didn't realize the rich history and the tragic history of PCH. Talk about what you discovered. So it's it was really an interesting discovery that, you know, it's always been a controversial place. And uh, May Ringe's family basically owned Malibu. And she fought to keep it, um, how should I put it, hers, for lack of a better term, uh, all the way to the Supreme Court of California. And they did an incredible ruling where they said such beauty should not belong to just one person and it should be open to the public. And that was the first time that a ruling like that had ever happened. And that kind of opened the doorway to Malibu becoming what it is today. The, it started with the Colony, which was a movie, res, movie town, movie place where all the stars took, had places of their own. And then it grew from there and was basically, you know, People realized the beauty and loved once they could drive to come up to Malibu and see the beauty. Right. So it used to be private land, and this family fought very hard to keep it private. Supreme Court said otherwise. They put a road through. Yep. This road has brought all kinds of mayhem, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, the road that we now travel on, PCH, uh, hasn't really done anything to the road since probably the 50s and you know maybe back then you were talking about i don't know 20,000 people maybe using the road uh, any given time for a holiday or something like that whereas now on a long weekend or on a beautiful weekend 800,000 people coming out to Malibu on a four-laned highway two lanes east two lanes west kind of, uh, you know, sitting on it and driving in and out of it. And, you know, one lane gets shut down and then it gets backed up or it gets closed down. It's just been horrific. Either it's incredibly frustrating traffic or in the quieter times, people 
drive like maniacs at insane speeds. It, and it's terrifying. Yep. And you've got a lot of people yeah. crossing the street back and forth because people park on both sides to get to the beach and just randomly run into the road or walk through the road. hundred percent, John. You know, uh, I call it the noise around PCH. There's parking. There's bicycles. There's people. There's people treating it like a road when it's a highway. And, you know, it's just a matter of time. Until the next accident happens or the next death happens, and um, it's just, it's outrageous. And what Emily's death, I was always aware of it. I had two other children that learned to drive on that road, so I was always petrified about the, the road and what could happen on it. But when Emily died, I became very aware of all the deaths and accidents that were happening, and I couldn't stand it. And being a filmmaker, I just figured that that was the best way I could tell the story and get people angry because it's the type of thing that you need a groundswell. It's got to come from the bottom up to create the change that needs to happen to make this a, a safer place. Yeah. And there's limited change, you know. you got mountains and ocean. What are you going to do? Yeah, I had I had no idea about the carnage that was on. I mean, it felt dangerous. You know, I was aware of occasionally accidents that would that would make make the news and and tragedies like what you're happening to your daughter. But I just had no idea. I mean, you have you interview, I believe, a surf shop owner in it, and he said he's seen nine yeah. fatal crashes just just from his front door of his surf shop over the years. Yep, hundred percent. Zuma J. He was also a former mayor of. Uh, Malibu. Yeah, we spoke to him. We spoke to a lot of people. I mean, a lot of it didn't make it into the film, obviously, but it's it's really quite incredible. And uh, about five years ago, they did a study, and you know, every time there's a new political body in charge, they want to do a study to figure out what they should do. Uh, so they did a study that came up with, I think it was 54 points to make PCH safer and yeah. here we are six years later zero zero has been implemented that part made me mad because it was just typical yeah yeah a big, big blue ribbon commission study they got 54 or so recommendations none of them pass nothing changes and you couldn't get cal caltrans to talk about this they gave you no comment oh no it was worse it was pure lip service and uh, BS and listen. The problem with PCH is you have a city that wants change. You have a road that's owned by, run by the state, and of course federal. And there's just no way. Caltrans' job is to move you from point A to point B as fast as possible, not as safe as possible, as fast as possible. So they don't want to hear anything in between. All right, so it's going to be the 2023 Santa Barbara International Film Festival, and that's opening very soon, right? That's right. It opens uh, next week, uh, I think either Sunday or Monday, and then runs through next weekend, and we're premiering on the 16th and 18th up there. Okay. World and, premiere. And, and I hope this eventually comes to a streaming service, because everybody ought to see it. It's very uh, powerful, very moving. Yeah, we're looking... 
Yeah, we're looking for distribution. And, yeah, it, I, I'm very proud of it. I'm very happy with what came out. You should be. No, it's, 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 it, it's very informative, and it's also very moving. Uh, 21 Miles in Malibu, Michelle, Shane. It's up at the Santa Barbara Film Festival if you're in that area over the next week. Michelle, thanks very much. Thank you, John. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. More coming up. John and Ken Show. And Deborah Mark Live in the 24-hour KFI Newsroom. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Got menopause? We've got you. Hi, Jackie here, founder of ExoJackie. Feel supported throughout your menopause journey and beyond with our organic protein powders and symptom relief boosts. Formulated to keep bones and muscles strong, ExoJackie products help reduce bloating, hot flashes, and weight gain. Enjoy 20% off with promo code EXOPODCAST. Shop now at exojacqui.com. Made for women by women. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is Errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at Errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.